This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Well, good morning. Welcome to the Church at Indian Lake. My name is David, and I'm one of the pastors here at the church. I'm a, a proud pastor here at the church. If you would turn with me to John 14, going to read in John. We have been going through the I Am series, statements that Jesus has made. Uh, my title today is I Am the Way. I am the way. We're going to start in John 14, verse 6. It says this, For I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. If you would bow your head and close your eyes with me. Heavenly Father, We just submit this time to you. We submit our hearts and our lives to you. We want to pause for a moment and hear from you. May you take these words of man and turn them into something supernatural. May you speak volumes into our lives. Challenge us. Grow us. Stretch us this morning. Push us to be better followers of you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, I was on an airplane. I was supposed to be in Dallas and... I took uh, the opportunity, the hour and a half to two hour flight, to try to catch up on some schoolwork. I packed a couple of books with me. I sat down in my seat and I noticed the two seats next to me were completely empty. And so I immediately started praying to God that nobody would sit next to me. You've done the same thing. You say, God, I would love to have this entire bench to myself. I could stretch out. Uh, instead, as I was praying, someone sat next to me. And then someone sat next to him. And then the entire plane completely filled up. And if you've ever been on those flights, they're extremely uncomfortable. You, they put like three grown men in spots like this. And uh, even though I feel like I'm, you know, a little bit of a smaller guy, it's still like a really tight space. And so I'm sitting there in and, an and, and awkward, you know, we touch every now and then. And, and, and I, I throw my headphones on, even though we're still on the tarmac. And the stewardess reminded me uh, that we are not supposed to have our iPods on. I, I told her I didn't have it on. I just I wanted to avoid... Uh, the appearance of being approachable. I wanted to avoid the awkward small talk with the guy next to me. And so I start reading my book, and, and I'm, I'm hoping that the focus uh, he catches on, and he does. We never say anything but kind of a nod, like, you know, guys, we tend to kind of nod, right? Just, how's it going? We acknowledge each other, and that's enough. Uh, reading my book, and uh, we're, we're in the air. It's beautiful. Uh, I close my book and, and just sort of ponder a thought, look out the sky, and just, you know, think how great God is to me and my life. And and I looked down and it just sort of connected that I was reading a book on sharing your faith. That I was purposely avoiding a potentially meaningful conversation with a gentleman next to me so that I could read about potentially having meaningful conversations with the people that you come into contact with. And you laugh, but I started praying that God kept the plane in the air because that was just a horrible thing to do. But I realized the statement... For I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. means a lot to me. It's a very powerful statement. And I believe it. I grew up hearing it. I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart at a very early age. And if I were to die right here in front of you, I want to apologize in advance, but if I were to die right here in front of you, rest assured that you could leave this place knowing that I went to heaven. And a lot of you could say the same. But not everybody that we come into contact with believe that. In fact, some people find the statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life, to be very controversial, egotistical. In this one statement, Jesus Christ separates Christianity from all other known religions in the world. 
And some people don't believe that. And they see this as a problem. We, we like to sometimes have our faith look a little more like an iTunes playlist where we have a little bit of rock and maybe a little pop, a little indie folk, and we mix it all together, and that's how we sort of see our faith. But that's not what God's called us to do. He's called us to believe in one way, in one truth, in one life. Now, I'd personally like to believe that our world is completely full of Christians and we're all super kind and living like Christ, but reality is that only 33% of people claim to be Christians in our world today. I don't know the entire world, but I do know that all 33% of the people that say they're Christian don't necessarily believe or live like it. See, there's no shortage of religions to, to fall to. Hinduism boasts over 900 million followers. Buddhism, over 376 million. And Islam is the second largest in the world with over 1.5 billion people. And growing. And growing. Now, I know when you drive around uh, the city and you notice there's churches on virtually every corner, Every cafeteria, every coffee shop has somebody meeting in the name of Jesus Christ. The problem is that statistics are proving that over seven churches are shutting down every day. This has been an awesome day so far, but at the end of it, I think it's sad to think that a church, seven churches, would have shut down. This is a huge problem for me because I've got two boys, and eventually I'm probably going to have some grandkids in, I don't know, 30 years, 40 years, sometime from now. And I'd like to think that my kids and my grandkids are going to have the opportunity to go to church just like you and I do. I don't want them to have to, you know, Google search or whatever they'll be using in the future and have to drive 90 miles or maybe they'll fly in a hovercraft or some kind of a scooter that, that does something we don't know about yet. Maybe you'll invent that today. But I don't want them to have to drive a great distance or meet in a coffee shop and talk about the ancient texts that their grandparents used to consider, you know, real. I want them to know Christ, and I want them to be able to have the opportunity to, to spend time in God's presence. But the reality is, we're not marching that direction. America is the third largest unchurched nation in the world. And we're quickly growing towards being virtually unchurched. And it is a shame. And I have a personal problem with it. We are failing. We are failing as Christians, as individuals. We're failing at spreading Christianity, our faith, the God that came in and changed our life, that we depend upon every single day. We're failing to tell other people about that, by and large. And it's your fault, and it's my fault. And we've got to correct it. We have to do something about it. So how do we fix it? I'm, I'm glad you asked because I have a couple of things that I feel like need attention. I feel like there's a few things that we need to do uh, to change the way that we live. The first is our communication. The first is communication. I was driving down 65. I no longer get directions anymore now that I have the GPS on my dash. I just grab a direction, uh, an address, and we take off. I was driving down the road, and, and the GPS suggested that I exit off uh, a little earlier than I had thought, but uh, I, I trust my GPS. It's let me down only, only a few times, a lot less than Google Maps. And so I, I take off the exit, and it tells me to take a left, and so I do. And it tells me to take another left, which I quickly realize means get back up on the bypass or highway, interstate going the opposite direction, the direction I was just coming from. I am a very faithful and obedient GPS owner, so I do this knowing that it's got connections I don't. So I take off back down 65, and it tells me to take the next exit. And so, uh, again, being obedient and faithful, I take the next exit, 
and it immediately starts to yell at me. If you own a GPS, you know when you've done the wrong thing, it does not it doesn't hide its feelings. It's, it's very outward. It's, it's angry. And it gives me that little turnaround sign, the uh, U-turn sign. And so I think to myself, my destination I know is not between two random exits. And I understand the global positioning system enough to know there's a satellite somewhere in space that's beaming a signal down at my vehicle that has access to the, all the maps and sees the entire globe. There's no way possible that that GPS is not able to give me the right directions it's just failing to communicate them to me. You and I are a lot of the same way. We know the way. And if you've sat in church services as much as most of you have, you've got enough biblical information. We're just not communicating what we know to a world in a way that people can understand. See, as Christians, we've done an awesome job creating a subculture. We've created our own media. We've got music. We have video games now. We have movies uh, T-shirts, uh, we have mints and candy bars, we have an assortment of, of edible products. We've done an awesome job at creating a Christian subculture. The problem is, when we find ourselves involved in a subculture, sometimes we lose track of what's actually going on in the actual culture. Said it very simply and maybe more bluntly, as Christians, we, we by and large have lost track of society. We're no longer communicating effectively. See, a lot of our evangelism tools and techniques were written maybe back in the 50s, a couple of decades ago, where um, people generally had a working knowledge of who Christ was. They'd attended a Sunday school class uh, as a kid. They had a praying grandmother at home. They knew who Jesus was. They'd just sort of gone astray. And so we can present to them a simple gospel message, and they would hear about God, remember some things from their past, and come back to Christ. And it worked. And it was working. The problem is, we have an entire generation of people today that have no clue who Jesus Christ is. That when asked, who do you think Jesus is, they'll say, maybe he was a prophet, or he was a great man, or maybe he was in a, a really good band, but he was not necessarily the Savior. They don't know. We have a generation of people who have no clue why we celebrate Easter beyond a bunny. And so we're trying to present the gospel to them in the same way. We'll, we'll say things like, hey, if you'll come to Christ, um, you can go to heaven. And if you come to Christ, you can avoid hell. And these are great things. They're things that I hold very, very dear and excited about. I want to go to heaven and I want to avoid hell. The problem is that there are a lot of people that don't believe in heaven or hell. There are a lot of people who feel like they're living in their own personal hell right now. Death. And anything beyond would be a little bit of a relief for someone with no food or three kids at home and, and no job and no husband. And they're living in their own personal hell. And we're trying to, to give them uh, some encouragement by saying, hey, in 50, 60 years, when you die, you can go to heaven. The problem is we have people who are looking for Christ to be active and present in their life today. They're looking for significance. They're looking for purpose. They're looking for Christ's involvement in our hearts and our lives now. And that's the gospel message that you and I have to start to spread. We're answering a lot of questions that nobody's asking anymore. There are issues that are going on today that we're not addressing. See, our world evolves constantly. It's constantly changing and moving. What's uh, popular now, what's cool now, is not going to be tomorrow. Facebook is super popular right now. But I can promise you, in five to ten years, none of us will ever even get on it. It'll be like MySpace. Because things change constantly. Sorry if you're on MySpace. Things change constantly. 
And we as Christians, we as individuals, have to continue to stay relevant to a world that's constantly evolving. We have to uh, begin to present Jesus Christ in a way that people want to know Him. Significance, purpose. It's been said that there's roughly 5 to 10% of people in churches just like this one that are sharing their faith. A lot of times we're not communicating at all. A gentleman caught me on the way out the door and he said, I read the other day where your statistic is a little high. It's only 3% of churches are telling people about Christ. That's roughly 90, 95, whatever, however fuzzy math you want to put in there. 90% of the people in churches just like ours are not telling anyone else about the life-changing, life-saving power of Jesus Christ. A lot of times we get content knowing that we have the way down pat and we're failing to share it. We're just not telling people at all about Jesus Christ. And yet, about once a month, I'll get a knock on my door from a really friendly guy in a tie on a bike who doesn't have a problem sharing his faith with me. And it's almost to the day once a month. What are we doing? The second thing that I feel like needs attention, that needs to, needs to change in our lives is our culture. I don't mean like our actual culture that we live in, because it's obvious we live in a corrupt and sinful world. I mean our culture, our Christian culture, or subculture, if you will. We have to change. By and large, sharing your faith has become kind of unpopular. It's become uncool. It's become antiquated, much like uh, choir robes or uh, gold-plated offering plates. We just don't do it anymore. It's not something we talk about. It's not something that we think about much. We're content with going to church and going home, and we're not sharing our faith. Often, we make apologies for being a Christian. We spend more time telling people what we're not and less time telling people who we actually are. We'll say, you know, hey, look, I'm not like that crazy guy who, you know, pickets and holds signs and hates everybody who doesn't live like them. You know, I'm not the guy that, you know, does all the weird things and tries to get on CNN all the time. That's not us, but we never tell people who we are. We never tell people what it is that we do stand for. We're ashamed a lot of times. And I'll put myself in that. I'll put myself in that. And sometimes it's just not that great to say, hey, I'm a Christian, because the world's view of a Christian is not someone that I feel like I am. There are a lot of really bad drivers out there. A lot of them like to drive by my house about 8.30 when I put my kids to bed. And they turn their radios up real loud, those crazy kids. They peel out their tires. Uh, I don't know how it is in your neighborhood. I, I feel like I live in a good neighborhood. But uh, there's a lot of bad drivers. But not once in this beautiful week did I say to myself in the morning, I think I'll walk to work. I don't want to be associated with those drivers. The uh, walkers have a much better reputation. I want, to, I want to walk to work. I want to be green. I only live about a mile from here. But not once since I've lived here, three-ish years, have I ever said, I'll just bike to work. Drivers are awful. I don't want to be associated with those guys. We don't mind being associated with all these other categories, but when it comes to Christ, we sometimes feel like we have to make apologies. And we don't. People are looking to see jesus in our lives and we're just uh, simply apologizing for who we are a lot of times we don't feel qualified this is huge we don't feel like we're qualified enough to share jesus with people we feel like maybe we have to you know go to church x amount of times or have this many scripture verses memorized or we have to have some kind of ministerial credentials or a beard but i'm telling you that there's there is no requirements based on a, a personal relationship with Christ that it's placed upon you. In fact, watch this in Matthew 28. Most of you have heard this. 
Matthew 28, 19, we find the Great Commission, and it says this, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And this is the best part, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. God has called each and every one of us to share our faith. He didn't just call our ministry team. He didn't just call our pastors. He didn't just call uh, the team that goes out and, and, and shares their faith. We have a, a group that meets at our church and goes out and spreads, uh, spreads the love of Christ. He didn't just call specific individuals. There's not a specific calling that's placed on you to share your faith. He's called us all, each and every one of us. Each and every one of us have been called through the Great Commission, and through, throughout the Bible, God has called us. But we don't always feel like we can do it successfully. A lot of times we'll say, you know, I, I feel like if I'm going to talk to someone, I have to be able to convert every single person that I come into contact with. But that's a poor definition of success. Now, that's ultimately how we define our success. We obviously want to convert as many people to Christianity and bring them in. However, we don't necessarily have to convert everyone we talk to. It's been proven that it takes about seven times in today's generation, for someone to hear about Christ before they give their heart over to Him. Seven times. You and I have to start sowing seed. We have to start talking Jesus Christ up. We have to start telling people about what He's done in our lives. I'd, probably a decade ago or so, if you were to buy a stereo system, you would go to the local store. For me, it would be like a service merchandise. I guess now it would be like a Best Buy. And, and you would just go and you would pick out a brand that you trusted. It would be like a Sony or, I don't know, a Philips, Emerson, whatever. And you would grab that cereal, you would buy it, and you would go home and be pretty content with it. Today, if you go to purchase something, if you're like me and millions of other people, you go online to someplace like an Amazon.com, and you look and see what other people are saying about a given stereo or a given for a, a couple of weeks ago, I purchased headphones and I looked through the hundreds of what other people were saying about these headphones. And I purchased them not because of their name, because I'd never heard of them, not because of my experience with it, because I had never messed with it, but because of what people were saying about it, I purchased them. People are a lot. They, they look at religion a lot like that. If they hear people talking positive about church, positive about God, they hear people encouraging and loving and sharing their faith they're going to check this God out. But if they hear people who are like, ah, you know, this church is terrible, or that church has problems, or they hear it's bad-mouthing Christianity, or whatever, they're going to take note of that as well. And I feel like far too long people have been hearing the negative in our faith, and not the positive. And it's our job to talk Christ up. It's our job to just start talking about Jesus. There's a lot of different uh, methods. That's my third example is our method. We have to look at our methods. There's a lot of different ways to share your faith. There's books and seminars and teachings, and it can be cumbersome. Uh, you, can, you can go to share your faith with like a huge notebook full of, of things to do and scriptures memorized. And, and a lot of those are really good. And I grew up, you know, learning a specific method. And I had it memorized, and when I approached someone, it probably felt like I had it memorized, and it felt like I had a method and an agenda. But I feel like today, you and I, we can just start telling people about Christ or asking questions. I feel like when you start asking questions, people enjoy talking about themselves. And it's a very uh, non-invasive uh, way of sharing your faith by just asking people what they believe. No one ever gets shouting. Nobody starts screaming and throwing things. You just start asking questions. Hey, what do you believe? 
what, 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 do you, where do you, where do you think you'll go if you were to die today? What do you think this life's all about? What's the greatest problem in our world today? You just toss questions out. They may say, hey, I'm a Satanist. You say, okay. You don't, you don't start screaming, ah, you're going to go to hell, There's, you know, you're awful. You just say, okay, tell me about Satanism. What if you just asked? Tell me about Satanism. Tell me about it. You're not going to be convinced, hopefully, but just talk about it. Just tell me. And, start, and then when you ask questions, there's a good chance they're going to start asking you questions. And it puts people in a very uh, different position. They're not on the defense. If you say, hey, I'm a Christian, what do you believe? It automatically puts people on the defense. Because we don't, we don't want to talk about politics and religion. Because it, it puts people at opposite ends. But if we just start sh- just asking questions, just asking people, hey, what do you believe? What do you believe? You can even throw something in like, well, if what you believe is not true, then, you know, would you like to know about it? Would you want me to tell you? Where'd you go this weekend? Did you go to church? Do you go to church anywhere? In John 4, it says this. John 4, 37, Jesus says this. Thus saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. We just have to sow seed into people's lives. They might show up one day and hear you talking about Christ, and that might be the seventh time they've heard that, and they're just ready to ask Jesus into their heart. They may turn you away instantly. It might be the first time they've ever heard anything about Jesus Christ. But as Christians, we've got to start talking Jesus up and start telling him about him. You might be the one that reaps the reward, or you might just be sowing the seed. But if none of us are saying anything about our faith, if we're just apologizing, or we're just avoiding the topic altogether then we're not going to accomplish anything and we're going to continue to live in a time where people are dying and going to hell at a consistent basis and at a larger pace than ever. We have an opportunity. We have a job. And you can say, and a lot of people do, I've even said it myself, that I'm living like Christ in my daily life. I live like Jesus. I display Him in my heart. I live a good, upstanding, moral lifestyle. And that's great. The last thing we need is someone else telling people about Christ and not living like Him. So I commend you. We have to live like Christ, but we also have to talk about him. We can't just be content with people assuming that because we don't live immoral lifestyles that we're Christians. I've known a lot of really good people who've never asked Jesus to come into their heart. We've got to tell people, talk about him, not just live like him. The world is looking for you and I. They're looking for Jesus, and they're looking everywhere to find him. You and I have to believe in our heart that what God did for us was important enough to share with other people. We have to believe that what God did in our life, the transformation that he made in our life, is necessary enough for people. We have to despise the idea that people are going to hell and want to change their lives. We have to do something about the statistics that are fighting against us. While I was... On the airplane, reading my book about sharing my faith, while avoiding sharing my faith with the guy next to me, I realized that sometimes sharing our faith is inconvenient. It's just inconvenient sometimes. And I read this one line that forever changed the way I looked at sharing my faith. It just shook me right there at 30,000 feet. It said this, You don't have interruptions. 
You don't have interruptions. You have only divine opportunities. You don't have interruptions. You have divine opportunities. When God gives you the opportunity, He gives you the time. When God gives you the opportunity, are you making the most of your opportunities? Are you making the most of your relationships, of your acquaintances? Most of you, if not all of you, had some kind of a conversation with someone on your way here today. Gas station attendant, barista, McDonald's drive through employee. We'll talk about the weather. Talk about sports. I can talk about music for endless amounts of time. But rarely do we ever get around to talking about our faith. We don't want to offend people. We don't want to turn people away. But in our effort to be politically correct, and in our effort to be uh, polite, we're not doing anything for a world. We're not doing anything by avoiding it. We have to share our faith with everybody that we come in contact with. The world is looking actively for a real God. People are tired of merely hearing about God. They're tired of uh, hearing about Christians that sit in churches and enjoy free coffee and go home. They're ready to see God in action. They want to see Him present in their life. They're looking for Jesus and they're looking to you. There's a lot of different ways we can share our faith, but in my opinion, I feel like we all just need to leave here today and just immerse ourselves in our culture. Immerse ourselves in our community. Immerse ourselves in our job. Immerse ourselves in our schools. And start just sharing our faith and make changes from the inside out. There's a big difference between just going up to random people and and just saying, hey, you need to know Christ. There's nothing wrong with it, but there's a big difference. Then to get to know someone, to get involved in their life, to actively be available for them, and then to start telling them about Jesus. It makes a huge difference. The world's looking for a loving God. People don't care about our theology. They don't care about our style of music as much or our chairs. They don't care as much about stuff that you and I do as they do about seeing a loving God who loves unconditionally. And even more than that, they're looking for loving Christians who will love them regardless. And lastly, I believe that the world is looking for a hopeful God. I believe the world is looking for a hopeful God because far too long we've been screaming and shouting all this stuff at a world going to hell, but they're looking for hope. They're looking for faith. They're looking for a God who can encourage them. They're looking to see what God can do in their everyday lives. And I believe we know the way. It's time we shared the way with the people around us. It's very selfish of us to hold back. It's very selfish for us to to refuse to share or avoid sharing when people need God, maybe now more than ever. And I believe we know the answer. We just need to help people find it. God wants to use you. He wants to use every single one of you, and He wants to use me. And I believe if we'll make ourselves available to Him, then He will. If we'll look for those opportunities, if we'll take advantage of those opportunities, then God will use you. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes with me today. You may be here this morning and you may be ready to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. Maybe you've been contemplating it for a while. 
and you're ready to make that decision. If that's you today, I want to give you an opportunity. Just raise your hand across the room. If that's you today, I want you just to raise your hand. You can put it right back down. Is there anyone in here that says, David, I'm ready? I'm ready. Then I'm left to assume that everyone has either asked Jesus Christ in their heart or maybe you're still working on that process. If you're working on that process, I want to encourage you to continue to seek, continue to look, continue to search. Because my Bible tells me if you'll seek, you'll find. If you'll knock, the door will be open. Continue looking for God. If you're here today and you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, we've got work to do. We've got a task at hand. And God's called each and every one of us. And it's time we stepped up to that calling. It's time we did something about it. Because the people that we pass every single day are worth it. They're worth it. And God wants to use you. There's nothing greater than being used by God. There's nothing greater than experiencing the joy of sharing your faith and seeing someone come to Christ. You don't want to miss that. You don't want to miss that. So I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray for a couple of things. One, I know for a fact that there are people here who know individuals who don't, haven't accepted Christ yet. And so I want to pray for you to be strong and be a good example and have wisdom. And I want to pray for those people that their hearts would be ready, that their soil would be uh, ripe, that they would be prepared for you when you contact them. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, We ask you for strength and wisdom as we encounter a lost and dying world that, God, you would give us wisdom. You would give us the right words to say at the right moments. That, God, you would put people in our paths that need to hear about you. And, God, you would give us the boldness. That you would give us the strength to be able to present you. God, we thank you for opportunities. And we ask you to bring more opportunities our way. Give us the strength to to live like you, to avoid making immoral choices, to be wise. God, we pray for the people uh, that aren't necessarily represented here, but that have friends and family here. God, we pray for them even now, that they would be ready to hear from you. That, God, you would send people their way that would share their faith with them. We believe you can do that. We believe you will do that. We're praying for a great harvest. We're praying that this church be full of people who have come to know Christ through our actions, through our words, through the things that you've done in our lives. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you to stand with me across the room. We're going to have our prayer team come down front. If you guys want to make your way down here. If you've come here with a need, you've got a burden, you just need God to do something in your life. Maybe you know a friend or a loved one that needs Christ and you want someone to agree with you in prayer. I want you to come find one of these individuals and let us pray with you. I've asked Jonathan to sing this song a couple of times and we're going to get out of here. But let's not miss an opportunity to meet with a real and mighty God. His presence is here. Let's not miss an opportunity to spend time with him today. This has been a Church in Indian Lake podcast. Be sure to check out IndianLakeChurch.com for all updated news and information.